Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Point family. And uh, hey, if you guys got your Bibles, head over to Psalm 27. Thank you, three people who like me. It's good to see you all again. Hey, uh, Psalm 27 is where we're going. All right, man, I like you guys too. <laughs> oh man, seriously, I love y'all so much. Psalm 27 is where we're going to be today. And uh, man, I am really excited. I got, I got four weeks of preach stored up in me and I'm ready to just, you know, let, let, let's do this thing. And uh, so while you're turning there, um, I do have a deep belief that, uh, man, what we celebrate as a church is what we cultivate in the spiritual. And, uh, and I really do believe that whatever you fail to celebrate will eventually leave your life in ministry. And so um, we had some, honestly, just radically supernatural things happen in the last few weeks, and we need to celebrate those things, Steve. Glory to the God that did them. And so a couple things I want to celebrate. We just finished a series called At the Movies. We do it once a year. It's a really unique series. And uh, just want to give you guys a quick update. <clears throat> um, the in-person physical attendance um, over the course of At the Movies ended up being 69,939 people, um, which was, yeah, man, a little, little overwhelming. And uh, man, let me just say, um, that's awesome. You know, that's great. We love uh, telling people about Jesus. Um, but what we really care about, to be really honest, is like we say this all the time at Lake Point, we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is more people in heaven, more people in heaven, more people in heaven. And so the number that matters to us isn't, you know, 69939. Uh, the number that matters is 1,012 decisions for Christ over the last four weeks. Come on, somebody, man. That's right. Uh, we are, man, absolutely amazing. Now, I do want to say this. Um, you know, there's 1,012 different stories there, um, but there's one story that like probably means a little more to me. Um, I've been, I, I, honestly, I've had this person on my heart since I was a child. Uh, no, no kidding. So like 30 years of emotion and love and affection for this person. And the last week of At The Movies, this person gave their lives to Christ. It was really, Darth Vader submitted himself to the Lordship of, uh, of Jesus yeah, it was amazing just how that, you know, happened. And a stormtrooper right there just shared a good word, and it was great. All right. Uh, now, in all seriousness, let me do something. Let me speak to you. I need to speak to 1,012 people um, who are at our church right now. And you are a person who you crossed the line of faith, and you gave your life to Christ. And let me speak to you as your pastor in a really straightforward way, man. When you became a Christian, you did not just accept Jesus as your Savior. You submitted to him as your Lord. <laughs> 
And Jesus does not just wanna save you from the penalty of sin, although he does that and that's great news. There's even better news. He wants to save you from the power of sin. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to free you from all the sin that you've walked in so that you can live your life for the glory of God and the good of people. And so, man, when you became a Christian, you submitted your life to him and you said, man, I, I wanna follow Jesus with my life. And the first thing Jesus asks you to do whenever you begin following him is to be baptized. I'm gonna use a bit of a weird analogy. Baptism, it's like the Christian version of coming out of the closet. It's like, going, just roll with me, okay? okay? It's like, it's you going, hey man, this is who I am. This is my primary identity. I want everybody to know that like, this is what I'm about. And it's a Christian going, for me, that's Jesus. That's Jesus for me. And so, man, the first thing Jesus asks you to do is to follow him into water to be baptized. It's like a multimedia gospel presentation. You're buried with Christ. You're raised in new life. And man, let me just, again, very straightforward way, is Jesus said that anybody that follows him must be willing to take up the cross and follow him. And let me just say, man, if you won't follow him into water, I promise you won't follow him to a cross. And so what Jesus is asking you to do as your newfound Lord is to be baptized. And so let me just say it, man, like right now, like literally right now, what you need to do is you need to text the word LIFE to the number 20411, LIFE to 20411, and we wanna help you be baptized. We're gonna celebrate it with you as a church. And let me just tell you this, if you're afraid, like what is everybody gonna be thinking about me man, at all of our campuses, let's show those people how excited we are to celebrate that with them. Come on, man. We are proud of you. Honestly, man, listen, man, these people, this is a family in here. This is a, this is a family in here. And we are proud of you. We're excited with you, man. You're brothers and sisters. So, man, let's do that together. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, here's where our uh, Lake Point Church, we are starting a new uh, series this week that we're just calling Life Hacks. That's the title of the series, Life Hacks. Now, here's where this comes from. Life Hacks are awesome. Here's what a Life Hack is. It is a simple solution to a common problem uh, in an unex unexpected way. So I'll give you a couple. These are just like mundane. So just kind of roll with me. Here's an example of a Life Hack. For you neat freaks, you're like, hey, man, how do I store all my Christmas decorations without them getting all jangled in that box in the attic. Well, here's what you do. You grab an, a, a, a plastic egg container. They fit right in there. You just pop them in there. Jana, my wife, misorganized. Like, it, it works. I'm telling you, man, it works. There's a little life hack. That's a life hack, okay? I'll give you another one. Uh, go back to me so you can see my face for a second. Uh, I, you know, I got a large backyard, and I like getting out there, and I walk this little pond. I like go fishing. And so my, uh, my shoes sometimes, they'll get all, like, nasty and janky. And so I need to like, I throw them in a washer and I wash them and I dry them. Well, here's the problem. If you tumble dry some shoes, it ruins them. And so if you're figuring out, man, how do I tumble dry my shoes without ruining my tennis shoes? What you do is you tie one shoe to the other and then it like dangles in the dryer. So it gets all the air, it gets dry without getting all the tumble and you don't ruin your shoes. That's a life hack. That's awesome, right? That's okay. Now, I'm, you know, listen, this next one for real this is one I use all the time, and it's like life changed. Okay, now, I'm going to show you this. When I show you this, I need you to act like you think it's as awesome as me, okay? So, all right, here you go. I'm going to help you all out. If you've ever been in a restaurant, a coffee shop, or an airplane, and you're either like FaceTiming or, uh, you know, you're watching a show or whatever it is, and you need to see it. And you're like, man, I don't have something to like prop up my phone so that it doesn't lay flat on the table. Man, how, you know, I'll try to hold it on a plane. Well, then my, you know, these two middle fingers, they start getting tired about 10 minutes. Here's what you do. Zoom in. Give me a good zoom right here, okay? You can use your sunglasses as an iPhone holder right there. And look at it. That's amazing. 
Oh, that's amazing. All right, there you go. Boom. You're welcome. You're welcome, Lake Point Church. Now, that's what a life hack is. A life hack is when you go, man, I didn't know that I could solve this problem with that thing. Now, let me give away the sermon, okay? Well, I'm, I'm doing this a little different. Uh, I'm going to start at the end of the sermon. I'm going to give away the end of the sermon, and then I'm going to go back to the beginning. I'm going to preach a passage to get you there, okay? It's like a Quentin Tarantino sermon. We're going to start at the end, and then we're going to go back and work our way through. So here's a sermon. Here's a whole sermon today. We're talking about fear, worry, and anxiety today. And here's a sermon. whole sermon is you hack worry with worship. You hack worry with worship. Now, I'm going to show you this in, in the scriptures. If you've got your Bibles, head over to Psalm 27. I always want to give credit where it's due. Credit to a pastor friend of mine named Joby Martin, who illuminated a lot of these insights into Psalm 27 with me. So we're going to work our way through Psalm 27. Now, here's what a psalm is. You don't know what a psalm is. If you're new, new, new to the Bible, that's all right. Great. Just check out with me, okay? Psalms, the psalms are 150 inspired prayers most of them written by a new dude named David that was like a prophet, warrior, king, musician, okay? So, so check this out. There's an old dead theologian, dude named John Calvin. He said about the Psalms that they are, quote, an anatomy of all parts of the human soul. What he meant by that is that there is, for every emotion and every situation you will ever experience, there is a corresponding psalm that gives a voice, a Godward voice to that experience, and it trains us to become into the image and likeness of Jesus, which is the whole point of the Christian life. And so for, watch this, in the same way that for every malady, there is a corresponding medication, if I get a headache, I go Tylenol. If I get a tummy ache, let me give me some Tums. If I get a cut, give me some Neosporin. For every malady, there's a corresponding medication. Check this out. For every situation, there's a psalm. And what we're going to do today, this psalm, Psalm 27, it's David's fear psalm. I'll be really honest. This is a psalm I am memorizing right now in my personal time of the Lord. And what you'll notice is, that, man, that stuff, it starts sticking to you, man. It gets all over you. And it changes who you are as you memorize the word of God and hide it in your heart. So Psalm 27, let, let's just kind of go, go through it with me real quick here. Now check this out. I need you to say the yellow words out loud for me. So we're, gonna, we're all gonna do this together. Psalm 27, when it says, of, great job. Bookmark that in your head. That's important. Of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I, that's great. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be? All right, now, I want to point a couple things out really quick here. What you got to understand is we're talking about fear, worry, and anxiety. Listen to me, man. When we're talking about fear today, what I'm talking about, fear is different than scared. Fear, there's a difference between, fear is not a feeling. Fear is not a personality type. Fear is a spirit. Man, you get to the New Testament and the Apostle Paul, he's got this young pastor named Timothy and he puts him in this really significant ministry in Ephesus and he goes, hey, Timothy, you're gonna preach to all these people you never met and you're a really young guy. And I, I've always really resonated with Timothy. And, and, and what he tells Timothy is he says, hey, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, of love and of a right mind. So fear is not a feeling. Fear is not a personality type. Fear is a spirit and here's what you gotta understand. There is a different difference between a spirit of fear and feeling scared. Scared's okay. Scared is actually sometimes helpful. You will be scared of something that can kill you and being scared will cause you to run away. But a spirit of fear is when your fear feels bigger than the Holy Spirit and it paralyzes you and, and cuts you off from being led by him. And the only way to cast out a spirit of fear is to be filled with the Holy Spirit who casts out fear. 
Man, this week um, in sermon prep, I came across the top 11 fears of Americans, and this came out in 2021. Here's what y'all gonna know. Therapists and counselors will mark 2021 as the most anxious year on record. Devastating, man. The two most prescribed medications in America right now are antacids and antidepressants. It's not good, man, not good. So I came across this, top 11 fears of Americans in 2021. The number one fear for all Americans in 2021 was parking at a Lake Point Church campus, okay? Now, that was number one, okay? <laughs> number one, now, in all seriousness, okay? Top 10 fears, 2021, here you go. Loved ones dying, becoming seriously ill, mass shootings, not having enough money for retirement, terrorism, government corruption, hate crimes, loved ones becoming terminally ill, high medical bills, and widespread civil unrest. Now, do you know what that tells me? That tells me that cable news, the nightly news, and media knows that fear is a big moneymaker. That's what that list tells me. Now, do you know how I know that that's what the cable news and the media figured out? Do you know how I know that? Because the exact same group surveyed people just eight years ago. And eight years ago, here were the top three fears. Speaking in public, heights, and spiders. That was same group eight years ago. Now check this out, man. People still speak in public, hello. Stuff's still high and there's still spiders, right? So now check this out, but watch this. But the news doesn't pump spider stories 24 seven. All they do is they pump fear and division, fear and division, fear and division. And the gospel is the message of love and reconciliation, love and reconciliation, love and reconciliation. So check this out. What we're seeing here, man, man, you need to understand this. We use this phrase all the time, free press, free press, free press. Man, listen to me. There is no such thing as free press. It's all for profit. And oh, by the way, you are not the customer of the media, you are the product of the media. They are, they are harvesting and selling your attention to companies. And they know that fear drives clicks and fear drives views. And so they wanna pump fear into your life. But listen to me, Christ follower, we have not been given a spirit of fear. We have been given a spirit of power, of love, and of a right mind. Now that's not our thing, man. That's not our thing. So we set our mind on things that are above. Now here's why this is important, man. That, that's, that is why we are so afraid. Let me talk about why this is important. You may have seen at the beginning of that Psalm, it said, who was it of? It was of David, that's right. Now, honestly, you may be going like, Josh, like, why are you preaching a passage from David when you're talking about fear? David was fearless. David killed that real tall dude and he led that country to you know, take over these other countries and he was a warrior. David, David was fearless, wrong, wrong. Man, I love Christians. I'm a huge fan of Christians. The Bible says that, that, that it's the saints of the land in whom God has all his delight. So I love Christians. But let me just say this, man. There are some really dumb things that Christians start to believe. Can I, can I give you one of them? Have you ever heard somebody say this, say something like this? Fear cannot coexist with faith. Fear and faith cannot coexist. Man, I'm, I'm not gonna tell this story, but I went through about eight months of like acute generalized anxiety disorder and panic attacks a few years ago. Let me just tell you, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. It is nowhere in the Bible. Fear and faith absolutely can coexist. In fact, let me just say this. If you don't have any fear, you don't need any faith. It's when fear rises in your life. That's the moment in which you need faith and when faith kicks in. So faith isn't the absence of fear, it's the presence of trust. 
Faith says, I'm scared, but I know that you're there. Faith doesn't eliminate fear, it overrides it. See, that's what fear is. So man, there's a lot of people, let me, let me, let me give you a visual example here, okay? Now, I'm about to show y'all. A, uh, I've never talked about this before um, at Lake Point Church. Uh, in college, I, I've got a, ta- a talent I've never showed y'all before. So let me, let me show you something real quick. Now check this out. I took away, listen, we had a pad down here earlier. And I'm like, man, I still got it. So like, this is okay, you can take the pad away. So let me just, just kind of get your cameras out if you're gonna do this. Okay, one, two. I'm teasing, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, no, I like my feet on the ground. That's how I like it, okay? Now, let me show you what a lot of people are like. They, like so if this is walking by faith, what a lot of people do is they start to take some steps of faith and it's like, okay, this is going good. But then the first time that like, man, their foot slides, something like that, and there's, there's a little instability as they're walking with God. By the way, it's harder to walk backwards than forwards. As soon as there's any instability, they like freak out and they're like, oh. So what a lot of people think is they look at somebody like David's life and they're like, oh man, it was really easy for David just to walk by faith because everything went well for him every time he took a step. And to that, I want to say like, bro, did, did, did you read your Bible? Because like, so here's, here's how David's story went, okay? So David is the youngest of eight brothers. He's the runt, nobody wants to see him. God chooses David, Samuel anoints him to become king. And David's like, oh man, that went awesome. Easy, firm step, that was great. So then David goes out of the pasture and then God gives him this supernatural spirit-filled ability to kill a lion and a bear with his bare hands. Boom, that went awesome too. Then David goes out of the battlefield and Goliath's there, big giant dude and all this stuff. David walks out and David goes, I am well able, well able to take that guy down because the Lord my God is with me. And David steps out in faith and bam, just his foot, you know, it's easy, man, easy. And a lot of people think, well, easy for David to walk by faith. It always went well for him. Man, do you guys remember what happened after David had that moment with Goliath? So here's the next few years of David's life. He kills Goliath. The very next thing, he goes and he's the musician for the king, the most powerful dude in the nation. That guy gets jealous of David and he hurls a spear at David in his like, in his like, uh, you know, main office area, tries to kill him. Okay, the next thing is Saul, the king, he gives David his daughter to be married but then later David finds out it's like this COVID, this uh, covert, COVID, man, it's PTSD for me, man. Covert, covert, fear, 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 okay. Co- covert, this covert plot to try to kill him, okay, so that's the next thing, okay. Well, then the king sends assassins to try to kill, so the most powerful dude in the nation is trying to kill David. He's sending secret assassins out to kill David. David runs, he's hiding out in caves. Then David finds like a, a, a few priests that will help him, and they help David. Well, then Saul finds out the priests help David and Saul comes and slaughters all 85 priests. That doesn't just kill the priests. It sends a message to Israel. Anybody who helps that guy, you're gonna die too. So then all of David's friends start betraying him and abandoning him. And by the time we get to Psalm 27, most Bible scholars think David is writing Psalm 27 from a cave in En Gedi. Now, David continued to walk by faith even when there was instability. That is overcoming fear, a faith that overrides fear. Now, can I be really honest? Here's what a lot of Christians do, okay? A lot of Christians, they start to walk by faith and they take their first step and as soon as there's any instability, they freak out and they give up and they give in to their faith or their fear. 
It's like, man, I, okay, I try to share my faith with a friend and they don't like immediately become a Christian, like on the spot, they laugh at me. Maybe I lose the relationship. I'm like, oh, instability. Man, I try to do some ministry and oh man, there aren't miracles every day. And okay, not everything's going awesome. And okay, there's a little instability and they freak out and they give up. It's like, man, okay, I'm gonna start trying to be generous in my life. I'm gonna give God you know, my, my 10% or whatever it is. And then it's like, oh, everything didn't go exactly perfect. And they freak out and they give up. And what a lot of people do is the first time that there's any instability in your life after you try to walk by faith, here's what a lot of Christians do. They go, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. That was kind of scary. So God, from now on, here's my routine on the balance beam. And they go, here's what I'm gonna do. And they go, okay, God, all right, here I am. All right, check me out, judge. How am I doing? And their whole life is this. And they're kind of like, okay, well, here's what I'm gonna do. I've seen somebody illustrate it like this before. Like, here's what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm just gonna play it safe and I'm never gonna move. We're gonna homeschool our kids. They're gonna wear helmets everywhere, okay? (laughs) And, uh, you know, we're, we're never gonna let them try gluten just in case, you know? Don't let them go outside. Sun has rays, you know, we're gonna do that stuff. And, you know, maybe if I do anything for God, I might like maybe just try to like, maybe I'll just try to volunteer in the nursery because I feel guilty. And maybe I'll do that and that kind of thing. And th- th- this is like their entire life is this. It's just, okay, God, uh, this is my routine. This is my routine. And then seriously, your biggest prayer in your whole life, here's what it becomes. Like, God, if I could just, here's my, my the biggest prayer I have, biggest thing. Okay, God, I'm believing you. Would you please but please someday when I die, let me die in my sleep. That's like my, and so your prayer is like, here's your biggest prayer. Please let me die in my sleep. So like, maybe it'll be like this. I'll be dreaming and dreaming and it's a good dream. Maybe it's actually like even a dream about going to heaven. I'll just sort of slip off, slip out of this life off the balance beam, just one foot while I'm asleep. And then I'll just wake up in heaven before the judge and you'll go, that's great. Right, that's it. Uh, you're like, okay, judge, how did I do? Now, I was, for real, can you imagine that? Can you imagine if some girl at the Olympics hugged the beam for the entire routine, rolled off, and then, uh, uh, what is the judge supposed to do with that? But honestly, this is what happens to a lot of Christians' lives is they don't understand that when you are afraid, those are the moments when you need faith. And that faith, is, faith kicks in when there's fear and instability. And if you don't understand that, you spend your entire life calibrating yourself towards safety instead of walking by faith. And what will happen to you is you will never fulfill any of the callings that God designed you to fulfill. There are things in this life God put you on this earth, good works he created you to do for his glory. And instead of you stepping into that and him filling you with his power to do it, You calibrate towards safety and you miss out on everything that you could have seen happen in your life. Okay, let me give you an example of this. All right, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Numbers, Numbers chapter 13. The children of Israel, like they're getting ready to go on the promised land and uh, and there's enemies in there. And so they send 12 spies to spy out the land. 10 dudes come back and they're like, man, we're never gonna be able to take. They're giants in there. They got chariots of iron. Ain't no way we can do it. But then there's two guys that come back and they have faith. And here's what they say. They say, we are well able to take this land because the Lord, our God is with us. Okay, now those two guys' names were Joshua and Caleb. 
Now, I want to prove something to you real quick. Now, by the way, I did this one time, and there was an Israeli person, and they were like, hey, that didn't actually work if you go to Israel, but I'm in America, so just kind of hang on with me, okay? I'm going to read the names of these 12 spies. When I read a name, raise your hand if you've ever met somebody by that name. Shemua. Nobody? Okay. Uh, Shaphat. All right. Uh, Palti. These are baby names. Write these down if you want. Gadiel. Gaddy, Amiel, anybody? Man, we're over so far. Seether, all of our campuses, I want anybody. Nabi, Giuiel, that's my best shot. I don't even know how to say it. All right, now last two, Joshua. You better get your hand up. Come on, man, Joshua. Now, one more, Caleb. Now, here's my point. Listen to me. The only people who get remembered are people who walk by faith. Nobody else gets remembered. Nobody gets remembered who lives by fear because fear will keep you from your calling and it will erase your legacy before it happens. If you are going to step into what God has called you to do, you've got to learn to live by faith past your fears. Okay, now here's a question. How do we do that? Let's get real practical. Okay, David did not do that, bro. David lived all out for the glory of God. Man, he, he, you know, listen, man, he crashed and burned a few times, but he kept going and living all out. How? Okay, well, check this out. Verse one, we're still in verse one. Y'all gotta listen faster or this sermon's gonna take too long. Okay, here we go. He says, you say it with me. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What you gotta do is you gotta root your hope in God. When David said that God was his stronghold, what he was saying, listen, your stronghold is whatever it is in your life that you go, as long as I have that around me, I'm safe. I'm safe. Here's what a lot of people do, man. They put their hope in strongholds that crumble. Man, a lot of people, what they think is, man, as long as I'm like rich and I'm popular and I'm pretty or whatever it is, well, then I'm safe. That's your stronghold. Okay, here's the problem. Those are strongholds that crumble. Man, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a multi-billionaire. One rogue cell and you are done, man. Man, if you think like, if I can just control what everybody thinks about me, if as long as everybody thinks I'm awesome, everybody's applauding me. Okay, listen, I have learned very acutely recently, you cannot win that game. So listen, man, here's how it works for you. Here's the promise. You know, you, know you got a promise? Here's what Jesus said. He said, do not be surprised if the world hates you because it hated me first. Do, you know, you got a promise from the scriptures in, in, in the book of Timothy. Here's your promise from the scripture. Everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Put that in your grandma's doily. There's your promise. You cannot follow Jesus and be totally popular your entire life. That's a stronghold that will, not, that will crumble. Man, what a lot of people do, especially ladies, man, what you do is like, man, as long as I'm pretty, as long as I'm pretty, everybody thinks I'm beautiful and they really like me because, well, well then, like, I'll just feel safe. That's my stronghold. And so you become a slave to the mirror. You freak out if you don't work out. And like your functional hell is the day when eventually you get to an age where like gravity wins. Now listen, man, listen, no shade to anybody. Look at your grandma. Gravity's gonna win. Gravity is undefeated, man. You are eventually gonna reach an age where no amount of Botox can erase it. I'm really sorry, Rockwall Campus. Well, I'm really sorry, man. I'm real sorry, bro. <laughs> now listen, by the way, some of y'all are like, I, do I laugh at this or not? Let me just say, if you're new to Lake Point, welcome to Lake Point where we take Jesus real seriously and ourselves not seriously at all, okay? 
Let me just say this, man. After that, like everybody from Heath is moving their membership. That's why I know, man. Okay, now, now listen, man. <laughs> I'll just keep, come on, let's keep going, okay? There's, I got, there are so many jokes. I'm holding back, okay? Listen, man, here's my point. If you are trusting in strongholds that crumble, you will live your entire life afraid. And David goes, man, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna place my hope in the Lord, my God. Man, but here, here's what you gotta understand. The reason we look to these things is because fear is rooted in control. Fear is rooted in control. Can I just burst your bubble for a second? You are not in control of anything. Control is an illusion. Can, let me just point this out to you. You can't even control the little humans that came out of your body that live in your house and have your last name. You can't even control them. Man, I, you know, I got, uh, you're gonna hear about Hudson twice in this sermon. I got a three-year-old named Hudson right now. And every now and then I'm like, okay, man, we've done everything right. You know, we did baby wise and we're praying with them all the time. We're memorizing scripture together. Jan's doing a homeschool thing and we're taking care of like uh, the, the sleep schedule and we're doing everything. I'm like, okay, I got Hudson under control. Okay, next thing I know, I look out a window. He's in the yard. He's facing the street, peeing in the grass, waving at cars. It's like, bro, like, man, let me just say, that, that's, that's not even an exaggeration. That's like a, an actual thing. Like, let me just say this. You are not in control of anything. God is in control of everything. So stop trying to control everything and trust in the one who can. David says, man, the Lord is my stronghold. I'm trusting the Lord. And then he goes like this. He goes, okay, so now what am I gonna do? Check this out. He seeks, he seeks this thing. Watch this. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though, and you say it out loud. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Okay, now let me just pause right. Keep that up there. Let me just say this, okay? Who had no shame? This is Lake Point, safe to be honest. How many people had a bad week this week, okay? I'll be honest, I, this was not the best week of my life. Who had a bad week this week? Okay, okay, now, let me do it again. How many people has somebody tried to kill them this week? Where you at? Okay, no, no, man, put it down, put it down, okay. He point, this guy pointed at his wife. <laughs> okay, now, <laughs> that's awesome, all right. <laughs> she got an I love my church shirt on. <laughs> Where are the elders at? Somebody get the elders, okay. Now, by the way, what I'm not talking about, right? I'm not talking about like, man, this woman's nagging me to death. She's about to kill me. I'm not saying that right now. <laughs> In fact, don't look at her. You look at me. My right, take notes, bro. Okay, now look at me. I'm talking about, did somebody actually try to kill you this week? Hopefully the answer is no. When David is, writes this verse, there is a literal army seeking to kill him and he is in a cave hiding. And what he says is, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me. Even then, I will be confident, David says. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> now, check this out. Okay, this reminds me so much. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's in, uh, it's in 2 Kings chapter 6. It's the story of Elisha. Elijah, you remember, Elijah passes the prophetic mantle to Elisha. It goes, Elijah, Elisha, that messed up your Bible reading forever. And there's one time where Israel is in this war with the Assyrian army. And God tells Elisha, he's like, hey man, go tell the army to go camp out in Samaria. So Elisha goes over to all these generals. He's like, hey guys, here's what God told us to do. We're gonna go camp in Assyria. And all the war generals are like, bro, you crazy? 
if we camp out in Assyria, the, or camp out in Samaria, the entire Assyrian army is gonna slaughter us in the morning. And Elijah goes, I'm real sorry, that's what God's telling us to do. And they go, okay, we're gonna walk by faith. So they go over there and they all camp out. And sure enough, the next morning, the generals wake up. And they wake up early like generals probably do. They, they walk outside and sure enough, the entire Assyrian army is surrounding them on all sides. And they start wigging out. And then Elisha, Elisha wakes up and he, you know, his like little iPhone alarm goes off a little later and everybody, he's real chill. Now he didn't even have an alarm. He just was enjoying the morning. And then he gets out of his tent. He's got his little bathrobe on. He's scratching everything and getting all ready. He looks out. He just looks out at the Assyrian army, yawns, you know, totally chill, goes back in, gets his little Nespresso coffee, comes back out. He just enjoying the morning, checking out this Assyrian army surrounding them. And all the generals, they come in and they're freaking out. They're like, Elisha, man, they're all, we're surrounded. And Elisha just looks at the generals and he goes, the Lord's got this. And then he prays a one sentence prayer. He just says, Lord, open their eyes. And in that moment, the scales fall off the general's eyes and they see that the Assyrian army is encamped around them. But surrounding the Assyrian army are the angel armies of the living God and chariots of fire everywhere. That's it, man. That's it. Now, this is what David's going. Man, he's going, here's the thing, man. God fights your battles for you. Man, if God be for us, who can be against us? Man, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God plus one is a super majority. That's what David's saying, man. And David goes, all I need is your presence, God. In fact, watch what he says. He says, he says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. Now, what do you think he asked for? You think he's like, man, kill all my enemies. Give me a bigger army. Make me more powerful. None of those things. He goes, one thing I need. Here's the only thing I need. God, I just need to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his holy temple. He goes, man, I just need one thing, God, one thing. You guys remember, there's this one time in, uh, in Luke chapter 10 where like there's these two sisters, they're, they're their friends. It's Mary and Martha. And Jesus tells Mary and Martha, he goes, hey, I'm coming to your house. And like, they're like the prototypical older sister, younger sister. So Martha's like type A, Enneagram one, high D, like super organized, task oriented. She starts freaking out. She's like, Jesus coming, Jesus coming. Okay, well, we gotta clean up everything and I'm vacuuming, I'm dust busting, man, I'm grabbing yoga pants and sports bras and I'm shoving them in the, you know, whatever. It's like, she's freaking out. And then Jesus gets there and Mary didn't do anything. And Jesus gets there and Mary, she just, she just sits down in front of Jesus and she just goes, man, I just need one thing, Jesus. I just want to talk to you. Like, could I just like, just me and you? Could I just have, have some time with you? And then, uh, and then Martha, she wigs out. She literally says, Jesus, tell her to help me. Get her butt off the ground, man. This girl's a diva. And Jesus says to Martha, he goes, hey, Martha. Here's what he says. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and fearful about many things, but only one thing is needful to be with me. And do you, do you know why a lot of you guys are so worried, anxious, and afraid? Because you are focused on a million things when actually you need to be going, one thing I seek, one thing. Because if I get the presence of God and God is with me, my heavenly father's with me, man, if dad's here, my dad's gonna take care of everything. Dude, I got, um, it's my second Hudson story of this sermon. So my three-year-old Hudson, right now, by the way, um, we moved to Texas from Tennessee four years ago. And Matt, listen, man, my family is like, we are all in on the great nation of Texas. Like got the tattoo, we are all in, man, all in, we're all in. 
And, and there's a reason everybody's moving here because this is still America. And it's like, this is great, man. We love this spot. So we love, we're all in for Texas. There is one thing I don't like about Texas, uh, the geckos, bro. I'm out on the geckos. I've never seen a gecko until I moved to Texas. Every time I turn on lights in my house, they, they look like little fingers scurrying away. It's weird, man. So Hudson's, he's in this phase right now where we'll put him to bed and sometimes he's like, I'm scared because I'm scared of the dark and there's geckos in the dark. And he thinks geckos are baby dragons. And so watch this. Here's what I don't say to Hudson. I don't say, man, Hudson, actually, there's no such thing as dragons. I don't say that. Because actually, man, we live in a world where terrible things do exist. We live in a world where in a very real sense, like there, there are dragons in this world. And I want to raise a little boy and train him up to become a man who slays dragons in the name of God and for the glory of God. Those are man, like, I want that. I want that. So I, I don't tell him, man, there are no dragons. Here's what I do. I lay down next to him and I just say, man, husband, you're safe as long as I'm laying with you because I can kill any gecko. I got him, bro. Ain't no gecko can get past dad. Dad can slay them all. And he's got a little lamp on his lampstand. I'm like, hey, Hudson, if you turn on that lamp, wherever that light shines, the darkness has to flee. And by the way, that's it, man. If you're a little slow on the uptake, I'm talking about Jesus. David's going, man, one thing, God, I just need one thing. And it's you. He's saying, I don't need a change in my circumstances. I need an encounter with a living God. Man, are you fearful, anxious, or afraid? Listen to me, man. What you need most, most, is not a change in your circumstances. You need an encounter with a living God. Why? Because it changes everything. Check this out. Check this out. David says this in verses five and six. He says, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe where? Where? In his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. He's talking about the place, the tabernacle, where the people of God would go to worship the person of God and they would come and they would hear the word of God preached and they would, in response to revelation, they would worship. David's going, man, that's my favorite spot. I wanna be where people are worshiping because that's gonna drive out my fear. And he says, when that happens, he's gonna set me upon a rock. He says this, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at his, you say it, at his where? His sacred tent. That's where you're at right now. The people of God gathering in his house to worship him. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. Come on, man. Now listen, I like you. I like you. Now listen, if we were a super mature church, it would have been everybody shouting right there. Everybody would have been. Now I know this. I know this, for some of y'all, man, like you get really, really worked up and moved by the good news of Jesus. God begins to move in your life. The best I'm gonna get out of you is like, you're gonna move like a cow. Mm -hmm. That's all you're gonna do. But David says, man, when the people of God come together, we're gonna fill this place, here's your second chance, with shouts of joy. Man, that's us, man. He's going, man, but why? Now, why are we gonna do that, David says? Man, that's, oh, I love y'all so much. Here's why, because the normal response to seeing who God is and what he's done is to worship and when we worship, it replaces our worry because worship changes everything, man. Worship changes everything. Man, one of my, listen, man, one, a passage that the Lord just like seared into my soul about five years ago in Ezekiel 46, God gives Ezekiel this prophetic vision of the temple. And he sees the glory of the Lord descend on the temple. And then he gives this command. He says, anybody that enters the temple by the north gate, you gotta leave by the south gate. And anybody that enters the temple by the east gate, you gotta leave by the west gate. And then he gives this command, no one's allowed to leave the way they came in. Do you know why? 
Because when you encounter the glory of God, you never leave the same way you came. You're never the same again, man. Listen, man, when we come in here and we hear the power of the word of God preached and we worship the person of God, listen to me, man, the supernatural happens in this place. Man, people walk out of darkness and into light and chains of addiction start to fall off in here, man. Salvation happens in here. Why? Because worship changes everything. So this sermon's not over. We're actually gonna practice this right now. So everybody all of our campuses could stand up. Stand up and here's how it works. Both worry and worship are magnifiers. When you worry, 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 your problems get bigger. But when you worship, your God gets bigger. Oh, come, oh, magnify the Lord with me. So here's how it works, and then we're gonna practice it, man. When you walk in, you walk in the room, and before worship, your problems are big, and your God feels real small. Worship, 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 worship. And then all of a sudden, God feels real big and the problems feel real small. So Lake Point Church right now, all of our campuses, will you magnify the Lord with me? Let's exalt his name together. He is greatly to be praised. Let's go, man. Let's go.
thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake